0: Overall thoughts, I'm so disappointed and disgusted right now. That's my thoughts. Where does the disgust come from? No pushback. But it's the same crap we saw in February. It was. That's why we, as soon as we were challenging for first place and teams were coming after us, we had no pushback. This series, we had no pushback. Their better players are so much better than ours, it's not even close.
1: What is it about this team's
0: leadership core that, or the top end players we've talked all- we got to push back there's got to be a pushback it's got to be pride you got to be able to push back when things aren't going your way we had no pushback their better players were so much better than ours tonight they deserved to win they were the better team in the regular season they were the better team in this series anything else good thanks
1: holy smokes okay that's rick Bonus, the head coach of the winnipeg jets and you know I've always believed, and I don't think I'm in the minority here, that one of the worst things, maybe the worst thing you can call a hockey player is soft. And although Rick Bonus never actually used the word soft, if you read in between the lines, he's saying the team is soft. No pushback, disgusted, no pride. You don't have to be a a linguistic specialist to understand you know the the word that rick bonus is sort of dancing around here when it comes to his players now was that a disappointing series and was last night a disappointing loss absolutely and now the questions begin now we're going to talk a lot specifically in the first hour about the winnipeg jets and even if you're not a fan of the winnipeg jets or if you're not interested in the winnipeg jets you might want to listen because this might affect either your team or your division or your conference because we fully do expect now with as many players as Winnipeg has with players on expiring deals after next season, that there will be changes. We thought they might come last off season. They didn't, uh, kept the band together for one more run at this one. And at times it looked really good, uh, specifically as a calendar flip, the Winnipeg jets looked solid. And as bonus points out in that clip from last night, uh, when they got to the top spot, teams started coming for them, uh, and they had no pushback. We expect that there will be changes. How deep did the changes go, we're not sure. We all know who the likely candidates are, um, whether it's Connor Hellebuck, and I think we all think that that's going to be decision one right now. Not so much for the Winnipeg Jets, but this is sort of flipped, and now it's advantage player, and it's more about Connor Hellebuck than it is about Kevin Cheveldayoff. Uh, but we also wonder about Blake Wheeler. Uh, we wonder about Mark Scheifele. And even though he would only be a restricted free agent after next season, although and albeit one with arbitration rights, uh, we do wonder about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Ken Weeb was going to talk to us a lot about the offseason on the horizon and the offseason begins today for Kevin Off. Uh We'll talk about the offseason for the Winnipeg Jets and the decisions that are on the horizon. We'll get into it with Elliot Friedman as well. But, you know, after we recorded um, our latest 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot and I last night, and I went to bed, I was thinking a lot about what we just heard from Rick Bonus in a very, very quick um, yet impactful presser after last night's game. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if we get the. How should we refer to it? The clarification press conference, the, well, Your Honor, what my client was trying to say was because Rick Bonus just pulled the pin and rolled a grenade into Kevin Cheveldayoff's office. Now, on the one hand, it's not exactly a secret uh, what happened to the Winnipeg Jets. It's not exactly a secret what the decisions that Kevin Cheveldayoff has to make in the off season are. But the point that I was thinking about last night, and I'll get into this with Elliot in a couple of moments here, we all know what the offseason plan is probably going to be for the Winnipeg Jets. But did that outburst last night from Rick Bonus? and I never want to tell someone what to say and what not to say. And I'm not going to start now. But did that help or did that hurt what Kevin Dayoff needs to do? Like, on the one hand, you understand it. Uh, Rick Bonus is quite emotional. His team, after winning big in the first game, just lost four games in a row to the Vegas Golden Knights, who now get their quote-unquote easy series and get to rest. Um, He's had, to his point, a lot of key players quit, not push back, um, not exactly engage in the way that Rick Bonus was hoping or demanding that his team engage, and he lets off steam. Boom, right away, big words, push back, disgusted, all of it you ever um you ever send a tweet that felt really good for about five seconds and then immediately regretted it you ever ate a bag of chips that tasted real good and then said to yourself well that's another 35 minutes on the bike then i suppose i wonder if that's how rick bonus feels today i'm sure it felt good to get it off of his chest I just don't know if he's helping shovel day off because we all know what the decisions are here or hurting because right now the message to the marketplace around a lot of the key players for the Winnipeg Jets is these dogs don't hunt. Let's start there. Welcome to the Merrick show.
0: This is the Jeff Merrick show on the Sportsnet radio network.
1: As I mentioned, Ken Weeb coming up at the bottom of the hour from Sportsnet.ca, also uh, co-host of the, uh, the Kenny and Rennie show. Ryan Novozinski will stop by, Devils reporter for NJ.com, and Aaron Ambrose stops by. Our good friend will finish up the week uh, with um, Aaron Ambrose from the uh, National Women's Hockey Team. Uh, in the meantime, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts, uh, the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Jesus, um, it seemed like a cozy five minutes ago. We were just wrapping up the podcast around 3 o'clock <laughs> in the morning and Here we are again. I'll 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 tell you what, I was was mentioning um, uh, off the top of the show before you came on, Fridge, that after we wrapped up the podcast last night, uh, on my way to bed, and I was thinking a lot about our discussion about Rick Bonus and the Jets and what's on the horizon, and I kept coming back to that now infamous 60-second presser that that Bonus had last night, and although it probably felt good for him to get it off of his chest, I don't know if that did much good for the winnipeg jets like if they're taking players to market what essentially rick bonus said was these guys are no good and these guys were no good in the playoffs i'm again i'm sure it felt like rick needed to get that off of his chest i just don't know if that helps kevin Chevel day off or not your thoughts
0: yeah well first of all i like that you're thinking of me when when you're headed to bed that was the best part of, the, of that particular <laughs> Soliloquy there. Don't flatter, um,
1: you. Don't flatter yourself. <laughs> it was Rick Bonus, not you. Okay. Um, you know what? I,
0: l- l- again, like, I mean, I, like the thing is, I, I think it, all you want as a fan is to know that people in your organization, whether they be players or coaches or managers or owners, care as much as as you do. And I think if you're yeah. a Jets fan. <laughs> You're probably thinking Rick Bonus said everything that I was feeling, and so, like you know, like like I think everybody here is smart enough to understand what the clock says about the Winnipeg Jets. And look, there's seven of the eight series Jeff are going at least six games. This is has been an intensely competitive first round with a lot of great games. And when you're the first one to go, or you're the only one that doesn't go that deep in a series, I don't know that people can expect too much differently. And, you know, ever since, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the year, one of the things that Rick Bonus talked about was he was going to make people uncomfortable in Winnipeg. And that was one of the reasons that he was hired, was to make this group of players uncomfortable and therefore shake a new level out of them. And he couldn't do that. And he probably, he feels, undoubtedly, he feels mad about it. Uh, undoubtedly, um, he, he probably thinks, man, there's a lot more I wish I could have accomplished this season, especially when you look at where they were in January. And he let it all out. Yeah. Like, like, bon- like I, I, I guess... I guess I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Like, any time you watch a press conference like that, you're like, holy smokes. And people are still texting about it this morning. Like, what a press conference. Yeah. But oh, I yeah. think when you look at what, you know, he did it a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I guess maybe we shouldn't be surprised if he felt that way after that series. Like, I have to tell you, Jeff, I, I thought considering who they lost, until last night, I thought they played really hard. I thought they they could have I, agree. I thought they had big time pushback in game three. I thought they played really hard in game five. But I you know what I, I would bet really has a lot to do with what he was angry about was, was the Mark Stone goal. Was it the was that the one in the first minute of the second period where the puck goes in the air and he basically skates through three or four guys? Like watching it again yeah. this morning, that was the one Jeff that I had put him over the edge.
1: That was the one that made yeah. That was the one that made it two nothing after Chandler Stevenson uh, scored a, the the, the one nothing goal on a gorgeous pass by Mark Stone. I I, I do want to get into Vegas here in, in a couple of seconds, and Mark Stone's a big part of that conversation. Um, but a, a couple more moments on on the Winnipeg Jets here. I um I was big picture thinking about this this morning on the Winnipeg Jets and where did things start to unravel and I know you and I over the course of the last few months or whatever have talked a lot about you know the Dustin Bufflin factor but this was I I went back to the beginning of the Winnipeg Jets when they they moved from Atlanta back to Winnipeg and the Jets get their team back and it's it's all sunshine and lollipops and it's great and the building's packed and you know great fans and they're loud and they're creative and it's a great experience to go to a game in Winnipeg Um, their first draft which would have been in, in Minnesota Soda. They drafted Mark Shifley. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a lot of Jets fans going into that one thought it was going to be Sean Couturier. That was some of the discussion. Um, and then Kevin Cheveldayoff went with the Barry Colts center. Uh, and then it was Jacob Truba. And then it was Josh Morrissey and Nick Ehlers and Kyle Connor and Patrick Line. So from 2011 to 2016, they just like nailed their first round draft picks. And things were mm-hmm. looking great. And now that we sit here in 2023, Um, as they've had a a disappointing conclusion to their season and are all having conversations about, you know, who's staying, uh, who's not wanted on the voyage, uh, who will stay if other things happen. I can't help but wondering, like, what happened here? Like, along the way, we would have thought that there would have been more success for a really well-built um, Winnipeg Jets team that had a lot of talent on it, high-skill players at every single position. I don't know mm-hmm. if there's one thing. Maybe it's the line A situation. I don't know. Maybe it's the Bufflin situation and, and him walking away. I don't know. But as you look big picture, because right now we're at the beginning of the end of an era. And the era of the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 the first version of it is coming to a conclusion. And Mark Shifley is the big part of that. Do you have a sense of where things started to to fall apart? Why things started to fall apart? Maybe it's too early to even evaluate that. But do you get a sense of where things started to go off the road?
0: I, I think Bufflin has a lot to do with it. Um, like, like, Bufflin, Bufflin was just such a huge presence. Like, you, you know, the... Yeah. You know, like the thing I think about the the Jets is, you know, they had a stretch there. People say, okay, does anyone want to play in Winnipeg? Well, they had a stretch there where Mark Scheifele signed for term, uh, Dustin Buckland yeah. signed for term, Blake Wheeler signed for term, and Connor Hellebuck signed for term. And you know, like that says that they were doing a lot of things right, and that says to me that. And what that means is that, like, you, you can't just say, ah, nobody wants to be there. I, I, I think that's too simple. Because I think what it's proven is that it's kind of like similar to the Raptors. I used to deal with them a lot. Like, when they, when they drafted Vince Carter and he was the megastar he was, people were like, he'll never stay in Toronto. He'll never stay in Toronto. And he signed a huge deal in Toronto. And then things went sideways, and he was gone. And I think there's a comparison to be made there. People will stay and play in your city when things are going well. And the Jets proved that. They got all those guys to sign long-term deals. I think Bufflin, um, I I think what happened with Bufflin really changed the dynamic because Bufflin, um, he ran the group. Um, he, He, like, he took a lot of responsibility on ice. He was a funny, different guy who wasn't wired the way that a lot of hockey players were wired. And I think a lot of them looked at him and the way he handled things and said, that's the way that, like, not everybody can be Dustin Bufflin. Like, you can't, you can't all do what he does. He's yes. unique. But you can look at the way he handles things and say, I can take for from- that. And I di- I really do think that when he was gone, um, all of a sudden there was a lot of oxygen there to be breathed. And I just think it changed the dynamic of the group. You know, I've thought, Jeff, you know, I've thought a lot about Lyle. Like that's what I think about a lot. And, you know, like it, it hasn't, it hasn't worked great in Columbus either. And like, I don't think that's all on him. I don't think it's ever on on one person. But, like, you know, some people say, oh, well, it wasn't necessarily a match and everybody didn't fit. I, I don't know. Like, I just, I just think when Bufflin left, the dynamic really changed and it was difficult to fix. And, uh, it's- you know, I, I think that has a huge part of it.
1: You know, it, it felt like, and I'll get into this with uh, with Ken Weeb at the bottom, it felt like when, when Bufflin left that the new group, the, the new leadership group, the, the, the guys that ended up running this team ran it really hot. And some guys liked it and some guys didn't. Mm-hmm. And it became pretty clear pretty fast that Patrick Line A was one of the guys that didn't like that. Like that wasn't for him. Like I understand, there has to be a level of engagement and commitment that all players make to make a team successful. But I don't know that you can have one cookie cutter approach to a hockey team. Everyone's wired different. Everyone has a different yes. background. Everyone has different different triggers. What's what's the old saying? If you uh, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life thinking it's dumb. Like it's true. Like everybody. Nobody has different. ever said everybody's that. Wired you said different. that. Where did you come <laughs> up with that? Nobody, I've never heard anything an about one. a fish
0: climbing a tree. You've
1: never heard no. Like, you you need you need to read more books. That's your problem. You need to read more books that aren't sports books. Yeah, if you uh, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life thinking it's dumb.
0: I gotta tell you, I'm glad I'm not reading the crap you're reading. But anyway, you know, like it, it's funny. Like I talk, I talked to one of the former Jets. Like. A little while ago, about all that and, and the dynamics, and yeah. and and he said, like you, you know, you know what he said was it. I, I think you're totally right. There were some people on that team who were really demanding, and that doesn't make them wrong. And there were some people on that team that were much more relaxed, and that doesn't make them wrong. He just said, like it, it's hard to bridge that. You know, it, it yeah. really is. If you can't. If you can't bridge that, you're going to have a problem. And I think that that is without kind of buffling there, because I think Bufflin was a guy who did bridge some of that. He played hard, but he could also be really relaxed. and people were so scared of him that nobody crossed him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I do. I, I think it's a shame because I think you and I have both talked about how, how good Bufflin was for the league. Like he was fun the way he played, That's and great. I, I absolutely think the dynamic changed after that.
1: Uh, okay, so let, oh, what, one final thing here. Um, I'll, do the Winnipeg Jets now go to the front of the line in interesting teams to follow in the offseason? I'll, I'll get yes. off the Jets page here in a second, but my final question, are they now at the front of the line? Because we wondered about Pittsburgh, we wonder about Washington, we wonder about Calgary. Are Jets front of the line now, specifically after that bonus presser?
0: I think so. I, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, we've talked about this. Look at the calendar. There's Shifley with the year. There's Wheeler with the year. There's uh, Dubois du with the year. And, and Dubois has already made it clear that his intentions are to, to test the market. Um, and there's Hellebach And, you know, I'll say, I say it in the pod and I'll repeat it today. I think Hellebuck is the one they have to sort out first. I think everything flows with him. Um, he had a Vesna level season this year. He did not have a great playoff, but he had a Vesna level season. And um, you know, I, I think he's uh, like, like I think the Jets know if they want to keep him, it's going to be a big number. He's going to be among the highest paid goalies in the league. But I think also for Hellebuck, I think that he's going to have questions about the direction they're going in and where they're like what they're thinking. And if, it, and if they're thinking like we're going into a situation where we might not win for a few years, and I don't know that, I'm just spitballing it, I don't know that Hellebuck's going to want to be part of that.
1: I I believe that, Elliot, completely. I, I don't think that would surprise uh, anybody. More Jets talk coming up at the bottom of the hour with Ken Weeb from sportsnet.ca. Uh, meanwhile, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Bolts live to play another game. It's game six. Yep. The, uh, the venue shifts to Amelie Arena. Um, are the Maple Leafs guilty of letting the Tampa Bay Lightning off the mats? How did you look at last night's game?
0: I I don't think it's that simple. Like, you know, like the Lightning hurt a, a good team for a long time for a reason. I, I think the one thing I thought last night was... After it became pretty clear that Hedman was hurting, I thought they had to make his life more difficult. But, like, I don't think, other than, other than that, I don't think this was anything about the Maple Leafs weren't prepared to win or didn't try or, or laid down or anything like that. Like, I, I don't believe any of that stuff. I, I do think Toronto has to force Tampa to play at a faster pace. Like, to me, any time that this game has ratcheted up into autobahn speed, Toronto has been the much better team. And, you know, Tampa did a great job last night slowing it down, forcing Toronto, hunting pucks, not let, like, winning battles, making sure that they had, that Toronto couldn't do that. Like, the slower the game is played, the better the chance Tampa has to win. And I think Toronto has to, force, has to force Tampa to play at a faster pace. And last night, you know, Tampa just came in and said, we're not going down easy. And, uh, and they beat them. And, you know, Vasilevsky, he was Vasilevsky. I didn't like the first one, but boy, after that, he was, he was really good.
1: Yeah, when, when Morgan Raleigh scored that goal, I think we all thought, uh-oh, is this uh, going to be a continuation of what we saw in Tampa? Uh, and we got the answer quickly. No. Um, okay, so uh, Tampa and Toronto is going to be a, a, a fantastic Game 6. This has been a really good series. We've had a bunch of good series. Um, and before we get to the games tonight, a uh, quick thought on the New Jersey Devils, who you want to talk about flipping the script. After two games, uh, when the Rangers outscored New Jersey to the tune of, I think it was 10-2, to two, I think it was a pair of 5-1 to one victories here, this whole, this whole series completely changed. When the venue shifted to MSG now we're at the point where I don't know what Gerard Gallant can do. Um, you know, Even Igor Shosturkin last night, You know, skating to the bench to try to rally his team to scream at players on the bench, like, come on, let's go here. It just seems as if the New Jersey speed is taking over and the New York Rangers don't have an answer for it for each.
0: Yeah, by the way, I just got a note. I want to say a DM. There's a guy who tweets me quite a bit. He's pretty funny. His name is uh, Ali. He said that that fish quote is Einstein's.
1: See, there you go. Well, now I actually think I... about <laughs> Don't worry, I won't judge you like the fish trying to climb a tree. <laughs> like Einstein, pretty
0: smart guy. Uh, you know, I, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, like Sources like say. last like last night, like in that post game, the Rangers all looked like they were really struggling for answers. Like I I go back and I watch all those clips and they've got that kind of like far away look in their eyes. Like, uh, what's kind of happened here. Um, the speed is definitely one thing. Like, like I, I think a lot of this stuff is mental and like, the you know, the, the, the the worst thing that could have happened to the Rangers was the devils finding their legs after those first two games. But that's happened now. Um, they get the one win. They suddenly say, "Okay, we stopped the bleeding," and now the Devils are like, "We're going," you know, "We're going." And when you get a goal like that first one last night, you really think you're going. You're like, "The hockey gods love us now." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, like, you know, like, you know, it's, it's funny. Someone sent me a note about that shorthanded goal that made it three to nothing. It was like the Devils went on the penalty kill there and knew that they were going to score. Like that. That yeah. he could see it. Like he was like. We're, we're the Hunters now. We're, we're the Hunters. Um, and, you know, like, y- you can see it. Like, I understand why Gallant said what he said after the game last night. But you look at them, and it was just one of those situations where it looked like they didn't have a lot of answers. And I guess, you know, someone sent me a note that um, cause I, it's tough for me to watch that series really intently with the Toronto series going on at the same time. Um, but this stuff about where the Rangers have put people on the power play, it's like, you got to put people back where they're used to going. He says he thinks they're like, some of those guys are a little bit screwed up because they've moved from places they normally are. And he said, at the very least, what you've got to do is you've got to go back to that.
1: It's an interesting point, Elliot. Um, they don't have a lot of answers right now, and if they don't get their act together, we're going to have uh, a whole lot of questions uh, about the New York Rangers, as we have for the, uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. All right, um, four games on the board tonight. Uh, do I want to ask you who you think is in trouble here. Um, yeah uh, the, the one game where I don't think that there's any trouble and that's because you know the Dallas stars are kind of rolling right now. that's the stars and the Minnesota Wild. but for uh, for teams that are leading their series, teams that have let um, there's you know there's two teams that have let their their their, their opponents back into the series. Um, the hurricanes yeah, let I'm the gonna Islanders gonna up. The Boston Bruins let the Florida Panthers up, and the Seattle Kraken are now rolling uh, against the Avalanche. Uh, who do you think's worried, Carolina or Boston or neither?
0: By the way, I was just walking by the high school and getting leaf lineup suggestions. If you heard that in the background, oh, um, uh, what's
1: what's what's uh, it? Well, hang on, what's the consensus from the uh, the high school cognoscenti? Biting. put Biting back in. I think it's safe to say he's going back in. I think, it's safe to say I, think it's probably, in. I think
0: that's probably true, too. <laughs> um, you, you know, like I, I find it very hard to believe that Boston's worried. I, I just think that they, they were really dominant last game. Bobrovsky was phenomenal. Uh, and I think, you yeah. know, Boston's a pretty mature team. I find it hard to believe they're panicking. You know, Carolina, pretty mature group of guys, too. I, I would say, though, if, if someone had more reason to be worried, it would be them. I just think that, you know, like you're, you're going into a, one of the most hostile environments in the league tonight, and that's a good thing for the Islanders. You know, if you go back to game three, I think they outscored the Islanders, outshot the Islanders 15 to 7 in the first period, and Sorokin kept them in, right? Like he handled everything, oh, yeah. and, and the Islanders won that game. And in game four, they scored early, they got to Sorokin early. To me, that's the key tonight. The longer that game goes on close, the more I like it for the Islanders. Uh, Carolina gets out there early and does what they do in game four. I think they're going to be just fine. I think the only reason you worry more if you're Carolina is just because the state of your lineup, you you know your enemy. They're going to come at you hard. um, And you just can't afford to be in a situation where, anybody else gets hurt in a series where it's not hard to get hurt. So I would think if there was a team that's a little bit more worried, it would be the hurricanes, but generally I think they handle themselves very well.
1: Now I think that, uh, that UBS is going to be insane tonight because Islanders fans are, are banana sandwich when it comes to their team and they're going to go berserk tonight um, uh, when that team hits the ice. But I don't know that there's going to be a louder building with all due respect, Islanders fans. I know how sensitive you are about how great a fan base you are, and you are great. I don't know that there's going to be a louder building tonight than the Climate Pledge Arena in the late game, the 10 o'clock Eastern game. It's the Seattle Kraken try to close the series against the Colorado Avalanche. You remember how loud it was on the weekend, Elliot. And yeah. that building was just rocking tonight 's going to be a whole new level as Seattle has a shot here at eliminating the defending Stanley Cup champions. Your thoughts on this one are the avalanche in trouble
0: well I think I, absolutely I think they're in trouble, and I think it's simply because Seattle's play has put them there um, any time you face a, like now hey, look are the Avalanche good enough to win two in a row absolutely no nobody's going to argue that, but are are they in trouble for a reason or is it a fluke? Well, it's not a fluke. They're in trouble for a reason. And it goes back to that belief. We talked about with the devils. I think at the beginning of the series, you're like, well, you know, we think we can give Colorado a real fight. And while we may say we can win, I don't know if we really truly believe it. Well, after it's two, two, now you believe it. And now after it's three to two, you really believe it. Now, I mean, the key, obviously, is Grubauer continue, continuing to give them good goal at goaltending. You know who's coming out shot of a cannon tonight? It's going to be Cale McCarr because he's pissed off at the world. Uh, but, sure. um, you know, I, 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 there's no reason to me why Seattle can't close this out.
1: This will be a fascinating one. Uh, that one, 10 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet, Ontario, West, East, and Pacific. Uh, Big night. On Sportsnet uh, tonight. It's a huge night, man. Park it. Uh, also, the Jays and the Mariners. Have a peek at that one while you're at it, everybody. Uh, should be another great night of hockey around the NHL. All right. Uh, off to continue your walk uh, and refresh yourself, and we'll check back um, on the weekend. When we do another podcast and then back here on the program on Monday. Thanks, as always, each. Have a great weekend, pal. All right, buddy. Have a great weekend. There he is. Uh, The man who learned today that quote comes from Albert Einstein. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will think itself a fool or an idiot its whole life. I think I butchered the quote, but you think I know what I'm getting at here.